second, we, we will read in a second, um, we will read in a second the scriptures, Genesis 23, but I want to pray right now. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that the word of God brings us life. It brings us peace. It brings us joy. It brings us power. So, Lord, today, in the name of Jesus, let the word of God speak to us. Let the word of God change us. Let the word of God reform us, Lord, and transform us so that we are changed by the gospel and lives are changed because you're God and you reign, Lord, and we love you so much. And, Father, I humble myself in your sight. And I pray that today the word of God is powerful and changes us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before, I know I have the scriptures up there, but don't, don't put it up there. Just put that there for a second, okay? Um, actually, go to the, just go to the first slide, if you don't mind. Go to the first slide. It says individual responsibility versus society's responsibility. Just leave it there for a second. Don't change the slides. All right, so responsibility. How many of you know responsibility sometimes in our culture is a nasty word? Right? Right? Responsibility is sometimes a dirty word in our society. Would you agree? We live, in a, we live in a culture of blame. People will blame anyone for anything for misery sooner than take responsibility of owning it or making it better. Would you agree? Two of you? Three of you? Four of you? All right. Again, I'm an interactive preacher. I need you to respond to me, okay? And so the, the more people that, that do this and we, and we shuck it off, and let me tell you, I, I am the king of excuses and blame. I'll be one of the first ones to admit. I love to shuck my responsibility. I will love to blame anyone every, and everything I can. I'm the king of excuses, okay? I'm going to be the first to admit that. But while blame may ease our misery, it doesn't deal with reality. Amen? Are you with me this morning? I'm starting a new series called It's Not My Fault. And, and we'll go for a few weeks. And I, I want the church to rise up and be responsible. I want you to rise up and be responsible. I want you to take control of your life because God wants you to take control of your life. Amen? And so we live in a culture of blame. And what happens is we continue to blame and we get stuck. And then we stay in this culture, the spiral of downward. And right now, especially, during the, especially before the elections, it's driving me crazy. I can't even stand to have the TV on. You know, the, it's their fault. It's always the finger pointing. And it's always the other party's fault. And I'm like, can, can both of you just come together and make some responsible things happen? Right? Maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe in our lifetime. But you see, that just doesn't permeate politics. It permeates your workplace. It permeates your family. It permeates the church. It permeates everything. But if you look and listen to what God is going to say today, we're going to discover how responsibility is not a negative word, but it's something that you could say, I can take control of my life. Sure, I may not be in charge of all the things that happen in my life, but I can be in charge in the way I respond to the things in my life. Amen? And so I want to talk about this for a few moments. I want you to listen. Listen to this. This is a quote by Mason Cooley. Mason Cooley says this, Excuses change nothing, but make everyone feel better. So the first thing, I have this, this little thing up here. It says individual responsibility versus society's responsibility. Now, what I'm quoting from is, is a U.S. federal court judgment that happened a few years ago. And it says this. It says, I have it up here. You can follow along. It says, where should the line be drawn between an individual's own responsibility to take care of herself and society's responsibility to ensure that others shield her? Okay, so the court was saying... Whose responsibility is to protect this, these, this young lady or this person? Is it the courts? Is it the responsibility? Is it the individual? And so you might say, well, what is this referring to? 
What evil does this questioner is it suggesting is lurking out there that society needs to come to grips with and that you and I will be safe? Is it, is it nuclear war? Is it an outbreak of, uh, of the, the Nile virus or, 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 or some kind of E. coli or some super bacterial virus that can, that can eat us up? Is it drug cartels? Is it, is it serial killers? Is it bad politicians? Is it greedy Wall Street people? The answer is none of those. The answer was none of those things. And the perpetrator is so dangerous that protection from it may require the collective power of our whole society. Hit the slide. Hit the slide. Can you see what that is? If you're a McDonald's fan, you know what that is. That's a greasy, slimy McDonald's hamburger. Right? Or for some of you, that's health food, right? Some of you, that, that is like manna from heaven. For others of us, that's like just a, a blob of grease on a piece of white bread. And you see, so, so it took a federal judge to figure out the answer to the question that we just read. Why? Because two girls were overweight and claimed that McDonald's was responsible for their eating habits and for their overweight problem. You see, the golden archers reached out and grabbed them and pulled them in and force-fed the hamburgers down their face. Now you're like, you're laughing. You're laughing. But fortunately, the judge ruled that the individuals were responsible for their diet. Okay? So when you go get coffee, it's going to be hot. Remember that whole thing back whenever that was? Okay? When you go to Krispy Kreme Donuts, just get you know, that's not health food. Okay, it's going to make you a little healthier around the middle, but it's not health food. Okay, now, now, please, because I've I've dealt with weight gain and weight loss, and I understand that because I, when I was a little kid, I was chubbier. Okay, I had a shape and it was round. I was in shape, but it was round. I mean, people they used to call me and this other guy in middle school, junior high, Munchkin. You remember Munchkins? They were little round, plump kids because I was a little round, plump kid. So I can understand where they're at. I, I understand these, these young ladies. And what happens is you get into a, a spiral. You get into an addiction or something and it just holds you back. And so they were blaming and then they're like, we're going to take McDonald's to court. It's all their fault. So the question, letter A, is how do we get to such a place in society? How do we get now? I know you like to hear this. It, it, it's those hippies. Those hippies of the 60s and, and their eroding of personal responsibility. Or you know what? It's the humanist. Basically, humanity it is good and, and it's our, our poor environment and there's nothing we can do about it. It's just the way it is. Or you can say, you know what? It's permissive parenting that taught entire generations to think nothing is responsible for them. Or it was the psychologist, I'd say, we can blame them, who said that, that the discipline of child might hurt their self-esteem. You might ruin their psyche. But you know what? Actually... Blaming others is not a new problem. Right? In fact, blame has been part of human nature from the beginning. Hit that scripture now. Genesis 3. Here it is. Are you ready? Let's read this. Genesis chapter 3, 8 through 13. Are you ready? Are you following me? Are you doing good this morning? All right. Listen to this. Here we go. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Here it is. Here's the classic, It's not my fault. Are you ready for this? Men, we're good at this, aren't we? 
Ladies, some of you are like nodding. You, you get your chance in a second. Okay, here it is. Isn't this awesome? Verse 11, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? What's Adam's response? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Isn't that awesome, man? It's the woman. It's her fault. God says, okay, let's go. So he says, all right. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? Check this out. The woman said, what? The serpent. It was the devil. The devil made me do it, right? The devil deceived me and I ate it. So where did blame start? In the beginning. And you and I, male or female, we like to blame others for our issues. Now again, I'm not, I'm not believing, because some of you were born in the situation. It, it, you had no choice. You were just born in the situation. I think of, I think of African, uh, Africans that were enslaved and brought to this country, and they were born into slavery because it wasn't their choice. They were born into it. And they well, yeah, that's, that's, that's right, Pastor. That's not fair. It's not fair. But many of them rose above that and made a life for themselves and made greater things for that. So, so let's talk about this, okay? So let her be... We bring it into the world when we were born. You see, we fail to take responsibility for our own lives. It's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's the boss's fault. It's President Obama. It's President Bush. It's the pastor's fault. It's my job's fault. It's my husband. It's my wife. I mean, you, we could just go through this litany of things and we shift the blame and we try to make others responsible for our lives. And yes, our environment can be difficult. But we are responsible. Listen, friends, we are responsible for how we react to our environment. Amen? This week, I was at a, a lunch with pastors, and I met a, we met a young man named Judah. Judah was, was almost homeless, and his mom was addicted to drugs. His dad wasn't even in the picture. And Judah began to grow up, and, he, and he, he, he lived in this apartment complex across the street from Urban Outreach, one of these ministries I'd like for us to support. And, and, and he was riding his bike and he got a flat tire and, and, and Will Stroman, who's the director, went over to, to him and helped him fix his tire. And he told us, Judas said, I was angry because my mom was addicted to drugs and there are people, I saw people getting shot. He said it was almost a natural occurrence that people were getting shot throughout the, the, throughout the month in his street, in his, in his block. And he said, you know, it was just a hard life. He wasn't, it wasn't his choice to be born into this situation. He was put into this situation. He was angry. Judah told us that for 13 years he went, he had gone to counseling because he was just full of anger. And he said when his, his tire was flattened, he was just angry. He was angry at everybody. And so God had put Will Stroman into his life. Stop for a second. Everybody's looking over here. So Judah said, everyone was angry around me, my neighbor. I was angry. And then Will comes over and helps me fix my flat tire. And, he said, and Will began to reach out to him, began to help him, began to show him, say, come on over, hang out. And so he began to hang out at this urban outreach, and great things began to happen. And, and eventually Judah became a Christian. He accepted Jesus Christ, and Judah stayed out of drugs. And yes, he bounced around from foster care home to foster care home. But Judah today, he finished college. He bounced around colleges. He finished college, and now he's working on a master's degree. And he's helping out with urban outreach. He chose to react differently to his environment. He didn't blame because see his mom and dad couldn't pay for his college. He had to come up with money. He had to take loans out. He got some grants. He had to work for it. But he chose to, to, to act differently. And you see, 
We can't always control what happens to us, but we can always control how we react. Amen? Are you hearing me? See, I'm not here to judge these girls for attempting to blame McDonald's for their excess waste because, again, I'm the king of excuses. I'm the king of blame. I can blame anybody and everything for my problems. So what do we do? So check this out. Number two, it's all about control. You doing okay? Are you doing good? You ready for some truth today to set you free? It's all about control. Who has control? Who has control? You see, life is all about control. Ultimately, who has it? There's always someone trying to control your life. Did you know that? Someone or something is always trying to control your life. We have, you and I have met people with these terrible childhoods, and I've, I've talked about it. I've read cases. As a pastor, I've had the, the blessing to meet great people, and I've had the unfortunate to see people that have been born into bad situations or have been suffered at the hands of, of cruel people. I've seen it. It breaks my heart. And yes, our environment can be difficult. And so you met people, you know people, maybe they're in your family, maybe they're friends, a co-worker, and because they, they were born into a situation that was not really exciting or they wanted, and they began to make poor choices, and they blamed the poor choices on their parents. It's my parents' fault, because my parents didn't support me, my parents didn't love me, my parents weren't there for me, my parents didn't buy me new shoes every day, my parents didn't provide a cell phone for me, my parents didn't take me to McDonald's when I wanted, my parents, you know, and so, they, so then... You and I have met people, they just make bad choices, their relationships fail, their just jobs come hard, or, or they keep, keep getting laid off, and, and they keep, keep blaming, it's the boss, it's the government, it's Obama, it's Bush, and I'm, uh, please, if you're a Christian, don't ever say that to me, okay? Don't blame Obama, don't blame Bush. Blame America, okay? That's just my personal opinion. Let's just get on our knees and be the church, amen? Can I just say that? Let's do something about it. Let's stop blaming, amen? Let's do something about it. And so you and I, we've met people and they're stuck in this prison. They're blaming. And really what, the only thing that controls their life is the blame. You see, they hold the key. They can, at any time, they can pull the key out and the key of responsibility and unlock that chain of blame. And say, you know what, sir, I was not, this is not the best situation in my life, but I'm going to take control of my life. Are you following me? Are you tracking with me? Pastor Shane, you don't understand. You're just some half-Asian white guy who's had it handed to you. I have not had it handed to me. If you want to sit down and, and you've got about four days, I can sit down and talk to you about my life. But my life is a lot easier than other people that I've met. And whenever I think about how hard my life is, God always brings someone in my life, and it's much harder. And I say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry for complaining. I repent for griping. Because there's always someone who has a harder life than me and they make something better of their lives than I am doing. Again, I am the king of excuses and blame. You see, the only person responsible ultimately for your life is you. Now, as a kid, I understand that we're responsible for children and, and they get to a point where they have to be responsible for their lives, but you're responsible. So let me move on. Number two, letter B. There is a difference between what happens to us and what we do. You see, on the, on the contrast of the person you know that always blames everybody and everything and everything's bad, then you've met a person who's had a similar or a worse lifestyle. And I talked about that. I talked about Judah, okay? And yes, their environment was bad, but they learned they owned their life. They said, my life is my life to own. And sure, things weren't good in my early life. I, things were, were horrible. But they realized, hey, I own my life and I choose where I go tomorrow. As an adult, I choose what happens. I choose how I react. 
You see, because ownership is everything, right? And this person is, hey, life is a gift from God. And with God's help, I'm going to make the most of it. They get connected to a faith community. They get involved and they, they start taking control of lives. They, they, they own their life and they say, you know what, those were bad things, but I don't want to live that life. I'm not going to allow my past to control my future. Amen? You see? They move from being a victim to being victorious. And we have a society full of victims. And the church, you have been set free because of Jesus Christ. Amen? You are not a victim. You can be victorious through Christ Jesus. Amen? Are you following me? So number three, let's move on. You doing all right? What is a person? Genesis 1.27. Check this out. Genesis 1.27 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. That's great, Pastor. That, that, how does that help me pay my bills? How does it help me get through this struggle I'm going through? That's wonderful, Pastor. But, but what is that? Well, letter A, here we go. The God-given ability to choose what one wants to be. You can choose to blame or you can choose to get out of blame. You can choose to whine about your situation or you can choose to say, God, you've given me ability. You're giving me ability to break free of this through Jesus Christ. I can't do it on my own, but Lord, you can help me. Because see, see, what happens is, we were created in God's image, meaning that God said, I have given human beings will and desire. Okay, we are not animals. You hear me say that? Say, I'm not an animal. Come on, all of you. I'm not an animal. Okay, there, you are human. My dog has will. He has appetite. He wants to be fed. Every morning between 6 and 6.30, whether I want to get up or not, he wants me to get up and feed him. Okay? But my dog doesn't decide if I go to work or not. My dog did not decide where I was going to live. He wants steak, but I just gave him dog food. And if he wanted to have steak, maybe he can get out and get a job. You see, what makes me different from my dog is I have will and I have the creative ability to make my will sometimes happen. So you as a human, you're not an animal. You're not, a, you're not just something part of your environment. You have the ability, because it says we are creating God's image, you have will and desire and creativity through God to make something happen. Are you following me? You see, God passed on to you creative ability. And all of us, we oh, I'm not creative. That's, that's garbage. You are so creative. God has put so much into you. And God has given you the ability to create and respond to life. We may not choose how life happens to us, but we always can do something with that reality. We can stay stuck, or we can say, God, I need your help because I want to get beyond this. Amen? So every one of you are creative. Letter B, God gives everyone talents for life. God gives everyone talents for life, right? Every one of you are talented. I know many of you watch someone, you, you, might, hear, uh, uh, you might hear Haley, you might hear Damaris of your leading wonderful worship and all. And you think, man, I just am not talented. Don't lie to yourself. You are talented. And God gives every one of you talents, amen? In fact, why don't you take your Bible and look to Matthew chapter 25. We've read this parable a few times in this church since I've been here. You've read it as a Christian, hopefully reading your Bible. But Matthew 25, verses 24 through 30, I want to talk about this just for a moment. 
You know the story, God, the, the parable of the steward. The, the master gives these three, uh, these three uh, men talents and he says, do, he says, here, and two of them do something with it and the third one takes the talent and he hides it, right? Okay, some of you are already, you're already saying I, I, that's just wrong because the, he only got one, the other two got five and ten. Just hold on a second, okay, or two and five, whatever it was. Matthew 25, verse 24, listen to this. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Verse 26, his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. He wasn't expecting that, was he? So you knew that I harvest where I did not sow, have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I, re- I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten talents, for everyone who has will be given more, and he, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him, and throw out that worthless servant into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You say, my goodness, what kind of a God does that? A God that gives every one of us talents and expects us to do something with those talents. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. You see, if this man at least had a, had a lawyer, he could at least get a fair judgment because, you see, the other two were given more and he had one. That's just not fair. Can I just be honest with you? Can, can, listen, I'm going to be very loving to you. Listen, this is very deep. Life is not fair. We don't like to hear that in this society where everybody's supposed to take care of the government, the church, your mom, your dad, your boss. Everybody's supposed to take care of you. Life is just not fair sometimes. Amen? You see, and so every one of us are, are responsible for the life, gifts, and talents God has given us. And we will each individually stand before God and answer for our lives. I'm not going to stand before God and answer for Steve Job's life. I'm not going to stand before God and answer to God for Obama's life or Bush's life. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to stand before God and answer for these so-called greedy billionaires. I'm going to stand before God for my life. Well, it wasn't fair. I didn't get all that. Gosh. Right? He's going to say, I don't care about them right now. I'm talking about you. What did you do with the $2 I gave you? Well, I went to McDonald's. Gosh, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Our society, we, we love, well, it's all their fault, it's all their fault. And God says, you know what, that's, that's fine, I'm going to deal with each one of them individually, but what about you? Well, my boss, my mom, my dad, my husband, my parents, my brother, my sister, the pastor, oh my goodness. You see, God will not grade you according to what He gave another person. Listen to this, He will grade you according to what He gave you. And it's high time that the church stops looking what other people have and start looking at what God's given you. And start saying, God, I want to be responsible with what you've given me. Amen? See, He will grade you simply on whether you acted responsibly what He gave you. And our excuses and blaming may define our choices. I'm going to read this again. Our excuses and blaming may define our choices, but they do not do away with our responsibility. You're still responsible for your life. You're still responsible for the talent or talents God gives you. Amen? We still have choice to respond whether or not we do something with what God gives us or not. And a lot of times, God allows us to get 
what we sow. What, we, what we've put into the ground, we're going to get back. We, we reap what we sow, right? The Scripture says, God cannot be mocked. Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or a person reaps what he sows. Amen? Are you following me? You doing good today? You see, our lives weigh in at what they truly are. Reality is reality, right? Come on, reality is reality. What you have today, this is just reality. And you've got to either say, I'm going to do the best I can with this, or I'm going to gripe and complain and blame someone else. Number four, okay? Let, let me talk about this. This is a very important part for, for the next few minutes. Number four, giving away ownership. Giving away ownership by demanding that life be just or fair and just. Now, I might offend some of you today, and I'm going to just say it very nicely. Too bad. I want you to hear what, what is being said today, because I love you. I want you to grow. I want to grow. I want to be a good disciple. Because, you see, I'm going to stand before God what I preach and what I did not preach to you. And if I sugarcoat it all the time, God forbid. Because I'm going to be dealt with seriously. If I don't tell you the truth, if I don't reveal truth, and then you don't respond to truth, then you're on your own. But letter A, seeking and practicing a just life. Listen to the scripture. Zechariah 7.9 says, This is what the Lord God Almighty says. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Then Micah 6.8. Listen to this, Micah 6.8. He has showed me, or he has shown me, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You see, the reason God asks us to live in such a thing like this today, because today there is not a lot of justice. There is not a lot of fairness. Do you understand? We talk about this. God says, walk justly, be compassionate, show mercy, because we live in a merciless society. Right? God knows that. And so He says, you then act just. You act in mercy. You act in compassion. Do you understand? Are you, are you following me? Some of you are. Just act like you are, because I'm going to move on. The stark reality is, the world we live in is not just or fair. Right? Would you agree with that? This world is not just, it's not fair. Would you agree? Come on. It does not operate. Listen, this world does not operate according to the rules of things how they ought to be. Right? It breaks my heart when I see people don't they get what they don't deserve. It breaks my heart when, when I'm with the police and, and a parent has jumped out of the car because he's crazy and he killed himself and now there's two kids without a dad. It's not fair. It's not the way it ought to be, but it's the way it is because we live in an unjust and an unfair world. And if we're not careful, listen to me, church, listen. If you're not careful, the world's going to play on your heartstrings. It's going to play on your compassion. The world's going to play on the, the way it should be because you're Christians, because God's loving God. And what's going to happen is you and I can lose sight of reality, the way things really are, and we can slip into this frustrating fantasy world of making life the way it ought to be. And once we begin to say we need to make life the way it ought to be, we need to take from people and give it to other people, we're going down a slippery slope. Do you understand what I'm saying? This world, it's not fair that those people have millions of dollars and I've got two dollars. So let's take it from them and give it to everyone else. 
when we begin to go down that road, we begin to put ourselves in the place of God Almighty. Now, there are definitely some greedy people out there who gain their money wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not fair. But God is going to deal with them. Amen? And so when we begin to slip into this fantasy world of the way it ought to be, we begin to say, where is God? Isn't God a God of love? Why isn't the world a better place? Because He already knows about reality. He's already faced up with reality. And you see, God's called you. He says, act. Show true justice. Show mercy. Be compassionate. He's asking you to do that. Instead of blaming, He's saying, you act where you're at as my instrument of love and change. Okay? So let it be, here it is, the fantasy world of life as it ought to be. I mean, we all want a world that is just and fair, right? Are you tracking with me? I mean, I want a world that is just and fair. We all want to be treated as we're supposed to be treated, correct? You're following me, right? We all want a world where bad things don't happen to people. We want a world where people are not exploited. We all want that. But this is a wonderful wish. Wow, what? Yeah, I'm an optimist too. I mean, you can ask why. I'm, I'm sometimes not the ultimate, but I'm, I can be a little op- overly optimistic. But I'm learning in my age that I'm also a realist. And I want these things, but the reality is they're not on this earth right now. And in fact, God wanted this. He desired this from the beginning, right? But this world is not as it should be. Why? Because sin messed it up. Because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, right? Listen to this. I'm going to read this because I want you to get this. God came to grips with the fact that sin messed up the, the created order and He offered forgiveness to imperfect people along with a chance for them to work through the unfairness to achieving a fulfilling life. In other words, God dealt with reality. He said, it's, it's messed up. It's never going to be perfect until I come back and destroy and change the world and make it a new earth. Do you understand me? This world will never be perfect. Amen? But you and I can act as agents of love, of compassion. We must act as agents of change, realizing that not everyone's going to respond, but we can love all people. Amen? We can act in justice. We can act in mercy. Even though you've been lied to and cheated, you can still act in love. Amen? But listen to this. Unfortunately, some people will never get it. They'll never come to grips with the fact that the world is no longer perfect. And they're going to get mad. They're going to blame God. They're going to blame everyone else. Instead of dealing with life as it is and going forward, they're just going to blame. And you and I, friends, because you sat here and you heard me say it this morning, you can no longer do that. Because God has put you in notice saying, stop blaming and start doing. See, while thinking how life ought to be, we get stuck with our problems. And so let us see, what do we do? We deal with life as it really is. We live in a fallen world. Just say that. We live in a fallen world. Okay? So you know that. You've stated that now. Don't be surprised when people don't treat you as God desires. Don't be surprised when other people dehumanize other people. Don't be like, oh my goodness, this could never happen. This is the 21st century. We're so enlightened. No, we're just making better bombs to kill people faster. We're, we're, we're making ways to be greedier. We're making ways to control people. See, don't get stuck protesting reality for what it ought to be, but choose to live for God 
and be His instrument of change. Amen? Where you're at, in your home, in your school, in your neighborhood. Get ownership back of your life by not demanding that life be just and fair because it's never going to be just and fair. And and I'm an optimist. And why am I a realist? Because I've read the whole Bible. And I see that one day God says there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more tears, and there'll be a new order of things. But until then, I have to deal with an unjust and an unfair world. Amen? So let's move on. Get a life, and you be fair and just to those around you. Stop being the one, well, my boss isn't fair, my mom's not fair. You start being the one that's just and fair. Because one by one, you can change people's lives. You can't change everyone, but you can change a few. And that's what God wants us to do. Amen? I know this is a tough sermon. Isn't this great? Amen. Truth is good. Amen. Thank you. Number five, owning that it is not the first time. Let me move on. Number five, owning that it is not the first time. Letter A is we have to admit that we have patterns of failure. You and I have patterns of failure that we fall back into. You have, all of us have good habits and bad habits. Now, hopefully a good habit is getting up in the morning, taking a shower and brushing your teeth or whatever you do. That, right? That's a good habit, Right? But all of us have patterns, and we all have patterns of failure. Ask the person struggling with a drug addiction about this. Ask the person struggling with pornography about this. Ask the person bouncing from one relationship that's abusive to another abusive relationship. They keep falling into patterns. Ask yourself about your patterns of failure. Why do I keep falling back to this thing? Because it's easy. It's easy to fall into something that's controlling. It's easy to blame. It's easy. It's just part of our lives. And if we're not careful, we can slip into these patterns of behavior of reacting and blaming instead of taking control. I, I want you to take, take your Bible and, and read Romans 8.26 with me. Romans 8.26. In fact, just, just write it down. Romans 8.26. I'm going to read this to you. Romans 8.26. Write it down. You can turn it if you want, but I'm going to read it to you. This is the loving God. Knowing that you and I have patterns of failure, listen to this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans and words that words cannot express. You see, God cares for you. Isn't this exciting? Some of you are like, oh, I didn't come here to get beat up, Pastor. But this is exciting because the Holy Spirit understands you have weaknesses. Now check this out. Write down Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Write down Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. I didn't have these. These just came to me. Um, this morning, I want you to write this down. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way and just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us approach the throne of God with what confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. You see, God did not leave us hanging. Amen? So in our patterns of failure, in our excuses, God says, I can help you. I've been there. I want to help you in your weakness. Isn't that awesome? But so that letter B, ownership takes responsibility for those patterns. You've got to realize, okay, God, I do have this pattern. I see it. Help me to own it. Help me to overcome it. Amen? You've got to see it and say, God, help me overcome it now. I, and I repent. Ask God if you don't know to reveal it. Help Him. Now listen to this. Let me give you a little caveat, okay? Sometimes, listen, 
when you ask for God to show you weakness, not only does He speak to you about it, but then He brings a friend or a neighbor or a brother in the Lord or a pastor. Don't shoot the messenger. You see what I'm saying? If you're asking God to help and you're saying, please show me, and and God sends a person, don't shoot them. They're just the messenger. Amen? But say thank you and say, Lord, help me now. Understand your pattern, own it, okay? See it, own it, and say, God, help me to change. Now, let me talk about number six, the real diversions. The real diversions. Diversions get our eyes off the fact that we have responsibility. Remember, Adam, the woman you put me with, she made me eat it. She gave me the fruit. What does blame do? Blame diverts. It's a diversion. It, blame, it puts responsibility on someone else. And you see, making the situation may actually take work, it may take sweat, it may take pain. But if we're constantly blaming, we're never going to break through that. It's easier to divert attention than to take responsibility, right? Come on, again, I'm, I admit it to you, I'm the king of blame. I'm the king of excuses. It's easier for me to blame you or blame someone else for my problems than it is for me to own it and take responsibility. Understand? Are you with me? You see, a person who, who's struggling, maybe they got laid off, maybe they got fired, maybe their job did them wrong. And they can say, you know what, right now, the economy's bad. There are no jobs in my field. It's easier to say that than to go back to school. It's easier to say that than actually go knocking on doors at businesses and, and printing out a thousand resumes, right? Right? It's easier. But you see, blame is sort of a comfortful food for the soul. It kind of comforts us. But the issue is this. It just diverts us from the effort of owning our responsibility. And it helps us not to see the real issues at hand. And it helps us just to keep blaming. And we get in a cycle. And we're losing by not taking responsibility. Amen? This is good preaching, isn't it? Amen. This is from the Lord. And I need it because I'm the chief of excuses and I'm the chief blamer. You see, let it be. You see what blame is really costing you. Change your focus. Instead of blaming everyone else, say, look, what? where am I at today? Blame is not helping me today. Amen? You can blame your mom and dad all you want, but it's not their fault for your life if you're an adult. Where are you at right now? You can blame all you want, the government. You can blame your job. You can blame the pastor. You can blame the church. You can blame everyone if you're an adult for your life, but you are responsible for taking your life where it is today and making something happen. Amen? Change your focus. Focus on your pattern. Say, God, stop, stop saying why. Stop blaming why and start saying what. Okay, say that with me. No longer why, but what. What am I going to do about it? Not why, why did this happen to me? I mean, we all do that, right? I catch myself almost weekly slipping into that. Why, God? Why me? Why, why, why? Saying, he's saying, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm coming to you, God. No, what are you going to do about it? Amen? Are you following with me? Blame only diverts us from the real issue. Ownership of the issue moves us from saying, what can I do to change my life? How's God going to help me? Amen? You doing good? I'm getting down to the last thing. Aren't you excited? Number seven, we're going to have an altar time. Number seven, excuses. Listen to this. Excuses don't change things. Many of you already know that, right? 
right? It's my teacher's fault. It's the boss's fault. It's this. You know, I'm in a terrible school. Uh, ask, ask, that, ask that to Abraham Lincoln, who learned in front of a fireplace using coal. Remember, riding on a shovel. Ask that to George Washington Carver. Amen? I mean, well, you know, it's just not fair. Well, here we go. Excuses don't change things. Letter A, most excuses now are real. There's some truth behind some of our excuses, okay? Many of them are real. So here's the thing. So what? So what? What are you going to do about it now? What are you going to do about that excuse, right? Your excuse is real. Now what are you going to do about it? You see, because our excuses don't change a single thing. They just keep diverting us. They keep keeping us blaming other people, right? So you and I need God's help to help us to get past excuses and get on with life. Amen? So it's true, you don't have time to work out. Well, it must be nice. Pastor Stan can ride his little bike and he's losing weight. This is not fair. Yes. So what? What are you going to do about it? Women complain more. I mean, I've lost 40 pounds. I'm blagging myself. I just lost 40 pounds because I've got to change my lifestyle. I change my lifestyle. You can change whatever God is calling you to change. Amen? So it's true. The, the, that person or the company is not giving you what you deserve. You've been looked over promotion. You've, you've been demoted. So what? What are you going to do about it now? Well, I'm going to gripe. I'm going to complain. I'm going to be a rabble-rouser. No, you need to say, God, help me either provide a better job, help me to work hard or something. Amen? And maybe you need to take some more college courses. Maybe you need to get another trade. It's true that not one single elderly person is knocking at your front door. That man or that woman that God has called you to marry, they're not knocking at your door. You know what? So what? What are you going to do about it? Well, I've already got online. Well, that's not maybe the best thing to do. Okay? It's true. Your particular metabolism allows easy weight gain. The answer is, so what? What are you going to do about it? Amen? I mean, I have more excuses I can go over, but God is not asking us for excuses. He's asking for us to do action. Now, don't beat yourself up because you're... And I'm not beating people up for whatever. I'm just saying, stop making excuses. God will help you. God wants to help you. Amen? Amen? The good news, let it be good news. You can do something with your reality. A furtherance of Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Isn't that awesome? So you have some issues. God wants to help you overcome it. Amen? So you're dealing with this hard situation that I will never comprehend in my life. God can help you overcome that situation. Amen? Maybe you have been dealt an unfair hand in life. God will help you if you call on Him. You see, God is a God of mercy and grace and He will help you when you call on Him. God is only waiting for you to do two things. He's number one. He's waiting for you to take ownership of your life and saying, this is what it is, God, I need help. Now I'll give you my life. Help me now to, to take control of my life and make it what you want. You see, we can, we can get God's help or we can blame the hamburger. 
We can get God's help or we can always blame. We can blame someone else. We can blame genetics. We can blame our environment. We can blame, blame, blame. But blame's not going to change anything. Amen? Would you stand with me? Please don't rush off unless you have to go. But I want to have an altar time just for a few minutes. I want to pray with you. I'm not, I'm not calling up here to make anyone better because, again, I am the chief blamer and excuse maker in this world. I'm good at it. I'm good at it. I mean, I'm good at it. But I want to help you today because God wants to help you take ownership of your life this morning. Amen? So would you just for a moment, would you close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment for the privacy of those around you? Would you just close, close your eyes, bow your heads just for a moment? Maybe you've heard this message. Maybe you've heard me talk about Jesus being the Lord and God can help you. And maybe it's this morning. You're saying, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed. You're saying, you know what? I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to make Him my Savior. I want to be free from this life. And I want to be His, his servant. And God has been calling you. He's been wooing you. He's been drawing you in. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed. You're saying, Pastor Stan, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior today. If that's you, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. I've never done it before. I want to do it today. Okay? Would everyone pray after me? Just everyone, please repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that you're the Savior. You're the Messiah. I accept your salvation. Deliver me from my ways. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. Fill me with your Spirit. Wash me with your blood. And thank you for making me your child. Now here's what I want you to do. If you're saying this morning, Pastor Stan and God, I want to own my life and I want to stop the blame game. I want you to come to the fore. I'm going to pray with you. Okay, I'm going to name off a few things. If you're saying, I want to stop the blame game and I want to own my life, I want you to come forward. Come on, no one's here to blame you because all of us are the chief excuses. We have chief excuses. Come forward if you say, God, I want help to, to overcome this controlling habit in my life. Whatever it is, come on, come to the forward. Say, I want to stop blaming. I want to get control of my life. Come on down. You say, you know what, Pastor Stan? I need God's help to control this life-controlling habit. Come on down. We're not here to judge you. Some of you say, you know what, Pastor Stan? I, I need to be freed from this downward spiral of blame. I want you to come to the forward. Come on, come to the front. Come forward if you want better control of how you react to the bad things in your life. Say, God, I want to be able to respond better. Come on to the front. Come on. Come forward if you want to stop diverting the truth for blame. Come on. Come forward if you want God's help to deal with excuses. Come on. Come forward if you want to say, God, I want to stop being a victim and I want to start being the victor. Come on. There are some of you. Come on down. We're not here to blame. We're not here to judge you. We're just saying we need God's help today. Come forward if you want to stop the blame game and you want to take control of your life. Come on. You say, I want God's help. If you want to overcome life-controlling habits, you need God's help. Come forward. God wants to help you today. Come forward if you want better control of how you react to the bad that's happening in life. Come on. Come on down. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Come forward if you want to stop diverting truth and start owning your life. Come on. Stop blaming. Come on down. You say, I want to stop making excuses. I want to take control of my life. Come on if you want to stop being the victim and start being a victor in Christ Jesus. Come on. Come on down. Come on down. More of you. Holy God, I'm asking you to help us to stop blaming and take responsibility for our lives. There are more that need to come. You're going to tell them, God. I'm not going to tell them. Lord, this morning, your word says in Matthew chapter 11, 28, that come to you, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke and my easy. My, my burden is light. So, Lord, help us to come to you. 
Help us to bring our excuses. Help us to bring our habits. Help us to bring our blame. Help us to bring, maybe we haven't victimized, but Lord, we want to take control of our lives this morning. Anyone else want to come down? We want to stop blaming. We want to take control, God. I know this is a tough message. And Lord, I'm again, I'm the chief. I'm the king of excuses. I'm the king of blame. And I want to be responsible for what you give me because I'm going to stand before you, God, for what you give me, not what you gave my brother, my sister, that person across the street, that person in life. You're going to ask me what I did with with what you gave in my life. And so, God, I want to be responsible for my life. I want to act in justice. I want to act in compassion. I want to act in mercy. I want to be that vessel, God. Come on down. Anyone else? Say, I want to get control of my life. I want to stop blaming. I want to take control. Maybe I've been handed a bad card, but God can help me to turn things around. Maybe I've been dealt a bad hand at work, at home, in a relationship, but God can help me overcome through Jesus Christ. Lord, don't let my friends who come down right now, God, be changed by the gospel. Anyone else? I'm going to come down and pray. Father, help us to realize life is not fair, but you are a loving God and you bring fairness and justice and mercy. And God, this world will not be perfect until one day you call us back. So Lord, deliver us from that false mindset for the things the way it it ought to be because we failed as sinners. But Lord, you are redeeming us through Jesus Christ. So my friends, my brothers, my sisters, that can't